Welcome to the Readerly Report, a podcast of Readerly Magazine. Your hosts are Gail Weisswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. So, welcome to the Readerly Report, and we are here today talking about Yes, the best books that we've read this year. There is a sort of master list, I guess, of all the lists on LitHub, talking about which books have made appearances on how many lists. What do you think, what about, what's, what stood out about your reading list, I guess? Well, it's interesting. I think that a lot of the books on my top list may not have been released this year, so I didn't have a whole lot of overlap in like my favorite books of the year with these master lists that everyone else is liking. Um, I read a few that were old and I've got one on here that doesn't even come out till next year. So, you know me, I'm not really that, um, diligent about picking books that are like either new releases or, you know, maybe (laughs) sometimes I review stuff that hasn't come out yet. So, um, yeah, so my list is a little different than these, and I haven't read a whole lot of stuff on these, on this, this Lit Hub super list, but, um, but that's okay, you know, I, I feel good about what I read, and I made a, res- a resolution last year, which was, I'm only going to read books I am in the mood to read, like, at the time that I pick them up. I'm not going to read books because I feel like I should read them or because they're on a bunch of lists or people are talking about them, but they don't look that appealing to me. And it doesn't mean that everything I read was great or that I liked everything I read. It just means that I I wasn't resentful (laughs) while I was reading it. So, um, I think I stuck to that resolution pretty well this year. And, um, you know, I just, I definitely charted my own path this year. And that made you happy. It made me happy. doesn't mean they were great books. just means I was happy. <laughs> um, so, okay, so I just posted my 2017 reading year in review. Today, by the way, is December 30th. We've got one more day of the year. And so that's why Nicole and I are doing a, a year-end look-back uh, podcast episode. Um, sorry, I just knocked my headphones off. Um, I also apologize. I'm, I'm out of town and I don't have my fancy mic with me, so I'm just using the, uh, the laptop. So I'm sorry if I don't sound as clear as usual. Um, so for me, the best book for me of the year is the same book I've talked about probably on every podcast we've done. And it's the one that was my second or third read of the year, which is still kitchens of the great Midwest. And I'm not going to hammer it home again, because I talk about it every time. But that book really um, just, it, it stood its ground this year. It was just my favorite. And I think I may even reread it next year, which I almost never do. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that is like such heavy praise to reread a book. Yes. Um, I don't know. So what do you think it was about that book that just, you know, not to get into what it's about or anything, because I know that if you've been listening to this podcast, you probably, you've heard Gail rave about it, but... Why do you think it held its ground against oh, everything else? I just else? thought it was beautifully constructed, and I loved the story. I loved that different characters weaved in and out. I loved how it all came together at the end. It was so subtle. It didn't bang you over the head. 
I've seen <laughs> other books this year that have tried to like sort of emulate that um, structure, and just no one has done it to with the success that I think that J. Ryan Straddle did. I just I don't know. I just love that book. So I'm hoping hoping he'll come out with something again soon. Um, and I, if not, I will just have to keep rereading this one. <laughs> okay. What, what was, what would you say your, your standout read of the year was if you had one? Um, you know, see, I read so widely that I feel like I had things from different categories. Um, I saw on this lit hub list that a lot of people like 14 different lists had um, gosh, now I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Exit West? Not, well, not Exit West, because I didn't like that one. I mean, it it was okay. I liked it in the beginning, but then I felt like it just really, um, the book got away. Killers of the Flower Moon by David Graham. Um, according to this lit, list, list, ugh. Lit Hub Master List, it's on 14 different lists, and I can really see why. You know, he just does such a great job with the story, you know, about the Osage Indians and what happened with them and their, their oil rights, how many of them were, you know, tragically murdered, and how the FBI sort of got its start investigating. It was like one of the first crimes that they really investigated. And he just told it in such a way that um, it's just... Great narrative nonfiction, you know, you're really into the story. And I don't know, I always love when you can, when you're finding out things that you didn't necessarily know, but it's not like um, facts and figures like a history book, but he just really takes you into their stories and how they were living their lives. And so I am, I'm satisfied to see that book on a lot of lists. Hmm. Never, never so I guess it. for nonfiction... Uh, I talked about it on the show. Oh, you did? Really? Okay. Well, narrative, nonfiction is not really your thing, though. Yes, as I noted in my wrap-up. <laughs> I only read three nonfiction this year. I'm definitely going to try to increase that next year. I'm sort of embarrassed by that. Um, what did you think about the nonfiction books that you read? I don't know. Which which ones did you read? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which ones did I read? Um I read one of them was for our mother daughter book club, which we were doing last fall, last spring. Um, and it was a memoir called being jazz about a transgender girl named jazz Jennings. And it was okay. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is the Hillary book. So what happened by um, Hillary Clinton? And that was, did that make your top? Um, it did not, but it made, um, one of the best audiobooks I listened to. It, it made my top audio list. Okay. Um, it didn't make the top seven uh, just reads, but I did like the audio. Um, and the other one? Oh, Real American by Julie Lithgow-Hames. Um, yes. And I really like that, See, too. See, and that's another one that I would put in my nonfiction. If I had a nonfiction list, um, that definitely goes on it. Yeah. Yeah, so those were all good. Interestingly, I'm all memoirs. I didn't make your overall list. Yeah, maybe it should have. That was a really good book. Ah, maybe I'll edit this. That's a good, <laughs> that's a very good point. Um, that was a, I did really enjoy that book a lot. Um, and with when I think about how 
sort of involved I was while I was reading it and how many pages I was marking up and thinking about and flipping back and forth to, it it should be there. So I think I'll add that because um, it's not on this anywhere on this uh, on this in this post. But yeah, so next year I I definitely have nonfiction in my sights. Um. So another book that I really liked this year was The Stars Are Fire by Anita Shreve. That's also on my list, yeah. I think we gushed about it quite a bit at the time, but it's about this um it's about this woman and her I believe she has two children. She might be pregnant with the third and her husband. It's set in the nineteen fifties Maine, and then there is this huge fire that sweeps through the town, um, her husband is missing. And it's sort of like the aftermath of her life after this fire and, and how she goes about supporting herself and her children. And I don't know, I just really love this book. It was so just engrossing and um, I was just really invested in her story. Yeah, you and I were both completely hook, line, and sinker with this book. Um, yeah, yeah. And you read it a little bit after me, which was interesting because you, you were texting me for those clues, which I withheld. <laughs> yes. As to how it turned out. Yes. I was completely obsessed with it and I couldn't, um, I was, I, I think I was away from the audio and I couldn't get it and I was just dying to get back to that book. It was a great book. So one of the last nonfiction books that I'll mention because I really liked it um, was I Can't Breathe by Matt Taibbi, which was the, you know, the story of Eric Garner and just what happened. Um, it took us, it takes you through his life and how he was raised and it concentrates on those years right before his, um, I guess, the last the last episodes of his life with the police. Um, really well-reported story. I love reading stories that have been in the news when someone later on is able to, I guess, write the nonfiction story from the point of view of some years having passed and they get to sift through all the facts of what's going on. Because um, it just talked a lot about the policies that were changing in New York and um, with law enforcement and sort of the pressures that were leading to that last deadly um, meeting between Eric Garner and and the police officer who ended up killing him. Mm-hmm. It was a really good story. Um, let's see. I'm trying to look back over my list and see what else is worth talking about. Um, I actually have a YA book on here. Again, something that I read for Mother Daughter Book Club last year and just really, um, it just sort of stayed with me. It's called Every Day by David Levithan. Not, it's not that, I don't know when it came out, a couple years ago. It's not, not a 2017 book. Um, it is about a, a, a person, you actually don't know their gender, who wakes up every morning in somebody else's body and he or she, I think it's a he, but it's, un, it's, it's not quite ever confirmed. He has to live that day, that person's day as that person, knowing that at midnight, he's going to move into somebody else. He's going to become somebody else. Wake up. Does he remember the experience that he had before? Yes. He remembers everything. Okay. 
So he, um, and it's interesting, like how he sort of tries to keep some of his memories. He actually has an email account where he, um, can write things down and email it to himself. So he has to get onto other people's computers and access it. It's just an incredibly inventive book. It's very touching and sad. It's a very lonely existence. He lives obviously because he can't form connections with anyone. Um, and he was like that even as a baby, which is sort of amazing to think about. Um, and I just, I know it was YA, but I just really connected with that book. I liked it a lot. And, uh, that made my, my standout reads of the year list. Sounds interesting. I want to check that out now. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, another one on my list that I think is probably on other lists. I will go back to list hub and check, um, is Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Uh, let's see if that made any, no, it didn't make any of these lists. I'm surprised. Um, that came out this year too, and it's about a woman living in England who has a lot of, I don't want to say there's spectrum, I don't know if she's on the spectrum, but she's a very emotionally damaged woman and she's sort of living in this very, um, narrow life where she has very little social connection at all. And it's about how she kind of gets drawn out and in the process has to face, some of what has made her so damaged and it's just very well written. It's, it's sort of sad, but it's got some very funny elements to it as well. You kind of root for this very prickly woman and, um, not a long, you know, heavy book, but it's still, despite it's, you know, serious subject matter. It was, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I'm surprised because I feel like I heard a lot about that book when it first, um, when it first came out. So it does surprise me that it did not make a lot more lists, as you said. Mm -hmm. One thing that I know that you read, um, and it was on five lists that I want to ask you about, was Made for Love by uh, Lisa Nutting. I did not read it. You didn't read it? No, I have it, but I didn't read it. Okay. I don't know for some reason. Oh, you were looking forward to it. Yeah. It's still, you know, it's still on the TBR, but I haven't read it. Okay. So do you, do you have or have not read it? I haven't read it. Okay. I don't think I read Tampa either, though. Oh, man, Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that was an interesting, I liked it, but that is a very raunchy book. Um, and very graphic. But I, that was, a, that was a, I found that book entertaining. So that's kind of why I want to read Tampa. I mean, why I want to read Made for Love. I, I didn't love the premise of Made for Love when I read, you know, read the the, the dust jacket. Um, but I liked Tampa so much. It was so it's so original and it's so different from you know most books that I read that I I definitely wanted to read um, Made for Love. So maybe um, maybe that'll be like an early 2018 read. All right. So Kitchens of the Great Midwest was your hands down favorite. The hands down stars. Favorite. Our fire is the one that we have in common. Yeah. Is there anything else that we read that we both read this year? Um, I have our, our Stay short with me. Stay with me and our short history are both on my top list, which I know you've read both of those. I don't think I've read our short history. You didn't read it? The one, mm -mm. the Lauren Grodstein? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. Is that, that's her latest one. Yeah. For some reason I thought you had. Okay. Let's talk about Stay With Me, which made my top seven. Um, and you enjoyed that one as well. 
I really did. It stood out for me because it was one of those stories that, like you were saying earlier with Kitchens of the Great Midwest, I did not feel like I was beat over the head by it. You know, I felt like it was an intricate story that had a lot of things going on and that I was surprised by some of the some of the angles or some of the issues that it took. But I thought it was it was really good. You know, I was just really impressed with the way it dealt with I mean, I guess it's not too spoilery to say that um, I guess all of the problems in this story are driven by a husband not wanting to deal with certain things. (laughs) Yes. Is what I'll say about that. And for those of you who don't know, Stay With Me is about isn't it, I think it's a young Nigerian couple mm-hmm. who, and it's set in the eighties. And you know, she marries in she marries this man with the expectation that he will not take other wives. But then she can't pre- get pregnant, and he does take other wives, and just so much unfolds from there. Very sad book, but. Um very well written and you get sucked into that story and you just want to know what happens. And like Nicole says, there's a lot of layers of truth and untruth that kind of get peeled back as the story unfolds and who knew what, who's keeping what from whom, who knew who was lying. It, um, you know, that all becomes pretty relevant as you, as you go through. And I felt like it had some things that, I guess what was so impressive is is that there were so many, there were a number of surprises, you know, that were totally plausible, but at the same time, I'll say I did not see coming. It's like, wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, a lot of twists in that one. Um, that was one of the f- only books on my list that also made it into this Lit Hub uh, super list. It, it was on six different best books of the year list. Um, stay with me. As was What Happened by Hillary Clinton, which made my best audio book list. Yeah. Um, I, um, that's interesting. Made for Love is on five lists. Interesting. Um, I really enjoyed What Happened. I really enjoyed the audio. I loved hearing it narrated by the author. And, um, it was an easy pick for me to to put that on the top audio because it just, it was such a uh, satisfying experience to hear her read it. I think it made the book uh, that much more powerful for me, hearing it in her voice and her words and her emotion, because obviously the whole book is from her perspective. And uh, I, I highly recommend the audio on that one. All right, so what I'm going to do is, I know we've kind of been jumping all over the place, so I'm going to read out, um, I don't know, I guess this is 14 books. The Confusion of Languages made my Oh, it did. What else is on your list that we haven't covered? 
I'm going to read my list. Okay. So I have An American Wife by Tyari Jones, which does not come out until February, but... Isn't it An American Marriage? An American Marriage. That's okay. right. What, and it comes out February? It comes out at some point in February. I think I might recommend that for our next book club read. Is that a good book club read? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Definitely a good book club read. So, Stars of Fire, Anita Shreve, um, I Had No One Is Coming to Save Us. There's this book called The River of Kings, which is about these two brothers who go on this river adventure to bury their father. And one of the brothers does not believe that his death was an accident. Like, he dies in some accident um, on on the water, but he does not believe that. He believes that there might be foul play involved. So, it's about the brothers and their relationship. It was a really, really good book. I really enjoyed it. Um, My Absolute Darling made the list. Mm. Gabriel Talent. Mm -hmm. Um, Girl in the Snow by Donya Kafka. Waking Lions, which, Mm. you know, that was my, that was my Kitchens of the Great Midwest. I feel like there were several episodes where I suggested that people read Waking Lions, which of course is the story of what happens when this Israeli doctor hits an Ethiopian or Eritrean immigrant on the side of the road. And then, I don't know, somehow he leaves his wallet there. So his wife shows up the next day. She knows what he has done and she commences to blackmail him. Such a good story. Um, The woman in the window is not out yet. It is coming out. I believe it's like January 9th. So it's coming out in the next week or so. Of all the books that have been described as the heir apparent to Girl on the Train, I think that this comes probably closest to what that story is like in terms of it having elements of um, a lonely, confused woman who drinks a lot and she, she believes that she sees a murder. So it's sort of like, I don't know, girl on the train mixed with elements of maybe, you know, some Hitchcock rear window. And there's lots of classic movie references because as she sits considering her life and drinking and thinking that she's seen this murder, she watches lots of classic movies. Um, It was really good. Hmm. Okay. Real American, Salt Houses, which made two lists according to this Lit lit Hub list. Um, It's about... I want to, it's about, it's a multi-generational story about this family that is displaced, this Arab family who's displaced several times because of war. Um, I don't remember where they start. Like, they may start in Iraq, and then they, uh, different things happen. They relocate to Jordan, they relocate to Kuwait. I think some of the members end up in America. But it's this multi-generational story about how they deal with displacement. Um, you know, uprooting their family and how things change as certain people like different regions. And of course, you know, um, there's different influences on the family and how they continue to come together. It was really good. Um, so Stay With Me was also on my list. And yeah, The Confusion of Languages, I really liked. I liked it too. Um, it didn't quite make my list, but it was, you know, certainly among the better books that I read this year. Yeah, you had troubles with the ending, I think. Right? I think I did, yes. 
I did have troubles with the ending. Yeah. So take us through your list so that everyone just knows. I know we've mentioned several, but just sure. Yep. Kitchens of Great Midwest, uh, The Stars Are Fire, which we talked about, our short history, which is about a woman who's dying of breast cancer. And actually, was it breast cancer? Ovarian cancer, maybe. Um, and about she has a five-year-old son, and it's about her kind of coming to terms with leaving him. It's very sad, but also really well-written. Um, Every Day, which I mentioned, that's the YA novel. Um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Uh, Stay With Me, which we both had on our lists. And um, You Think It, I'll Say It, which is not out yet. It's a collection of short stories by Curtis Sittenfeld that comes out in the spring. And I was lucky to get my hands on it, and it was so good. (laughs) I just loved it. So uh, it made my list, even though it's not out until next year. And um, I have as my best audio books, I have What Happened by Hillary Clinton, Stay With Me, which I thought the audio was was beautifully done, Our Short History, which is also on my um, top book reads, uh, which is read by Karen White, who has been on our podcast before, and Perfect Little World, which was read by Therese Plummer. Um, it didn't make my best books, but it was a great audio experience, and I love anything that Therese narrates. So um, those were my, my top audio books. I have um, to chime in and say stay with me. I did that partially on audio until it became so page-turning that I think I switched to the book. Mm-hmm. But she really did. she really did do a good job. And I also... Love when I know how to pronounce things. Yes, yes. So they gave me some ideas for the names. Yes, absolutely. Um, I had a a most disappointing book on my list, too. What was your most disappointing book? The Turner House by Angela Flournoy. Um, Mm -hmm. That book had gotten great reviews, and I just, oh, I so did not enjoy it. Had It kind of went nowhere, and... It was tedious and slow. Um, I really did not like that book. So that made my most disappointing book. And I say a close runner-up to that was the book. What was that one? The Anne Hood book I read. Um, oh. The most important book in the world. Or something. Right. I'm looking I was going to say the book club book. <laughs> the book that matters most by Anne Hood. Right. That was extremely disappointing. That was just, yeah. Did not like that book at all. So those are my most disappointing books. Um, I did do a breakdown. I read, I hit my goal 52, which I know you and I have talked about. I was trying to get to 52 as you were closing in on 130. Um, I did hit 52. I hit that this week. And actually the, one of the books I read this week, I really liked, which I didn't include in any of my lists, but, um, it was up there. It was called father's day by Simon Van Boy and, uh, I've never read anything by him before, and I really liked it. It was kind of a quiet, gentle book, but very compelling and um, and kind of an, an original. It just had a, had a great story. It's about a girl who her parents die, and she ends up with no other family around. Ends up being sent to live with her uncle, who is an ex-con. He's kind of a violent guy who's living this very um, hermetic existence and how she, he ends up becoming her father and 
half of it takes place in flashbacks and half of it takes place when the daughter is now in her 20s living in Paris and he comes out to visit her and it's uh they sort of tease out these stories and anecdotes and vignettes that happened throughout her childhood and just kind of show the transformation of the father into this more emotional and feeling guy but it's not um it's not saccharine at all and it's not overly sentimental it's very realistic i just i just thought it was beautifully written so um i read 13 male authors and 39 female authors which is pretty much how things usually break down for me um <laughs> as i mentioned before only three of them were nonfiction, so that's a goal for next year and of those books um 19 of them were on audio or or some okay. combination of audio and print which often happens so about a Almost a third of your books are on audio. Yeah. Roughly. Almost a third, right. Or maybe a little bit more than a third. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So maybe we'll save that for our goal show, but I am curious as, you know, to why you want to read more nonfiction. If you well, there's a lot like of nonfiction it. out there. Actually, but I do like it. Um, you and like it. If it's the right subject. So... There's a lot of nonfiction I've kind of amassed over the last year. I just got this new book called The Four, I think it is, and it's about... Oh, um, I, I know about that. Yeah, Facebook, Apple, um, Google, Google, and um, Facebook, Apple, Google, and Amazon. And it's about how the DNA of these four companies have, has completely transformed how we live. So I just got that one, and I'm... I'm really excited to read that um i have i want to read that it's one of those books that i feel like I, i'm sort of scared to read <laughs> why <laughs> to see how my life has been changed by these oh, yeah. companies yeah that's true it's probably a little daunting um i have the bruce springsteen memoir teed up on audio for when i get back from vacation and i'm in the car alone and can listen to it i have all these these nonfiction. i actually have this book with me on this trip it's called nothing to envy and it's a book about interviews and and um discussions with citizens in north korea and it's about what it's actually like to live in north korea i mean so there's so many subjects out there that i find really interesting and i'd love to read about i just um and, and once i get into nonfiction, it usually keeps my attention as much as fiction but i, I just always tend toward fiction first there's really no good reason for it right so that's why i'm i'm hoping to uh hoping to you know to Maybe increase for next year every fifth or sixth book yeah i think that's i think that's a good goal so what are you let's get into so you told us about what you read last mm -hmm. um right now i'm in the middle of reading something that is nonfiction. it's called the riviera set huh what's that and I don't know, it's just one of these books that I sort of picked up by accident that I was looking at something or someone mentioned something about it. So I picked it up. It's um, by, it's by Mary S. Lavelle. And it's basically about, it's about this chateau on the French Riviera. So, and all of the, I guess, the high society people and the parties that were thrown there. So the first part of it focuses a lot on this uh, actress called Maxine Elliott. She's the one who sort of, who built the house and had a bunch of different parties there. You know, she knew people like Winston Churchill and just 
the celebrities of the day. And I think later on in the history of the house, Rita Hayworth got married there. And I think at one point, a Saudi prince offered it. So it's more the history of this house and, you know, the hands that was in. And it starts, um, the story starts in the late, in the late 1860s. Because that's when Maxine Elliott was born and just, you know, goes through the history of the house. And it's interesting, you know, it was more like a curiosity thing that I picked up and wasn't really sure if I would read it or not, but it's held my attention so far. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, I have uh, the levers teed up for my first book of 2018. So I'm finally going to catch up with you and read that book. And you're giving... The rest, the rest. Um, are you reading The Wife Between Us? I read it. And? I oh, read okay, it. I read that too. What did you think of it? Oh, um, I liked it. It was uh, a notch up from popcorn. It's a thriller about, um, well, what you think it's about is a woman, hmm. a, a first wife who has been cast aside for a younger replacement. And you think that she's bitter because she wants her husband back and her old life back. And she's obsessed with the new wife and her life has kind of spiraled down ever since her divorce. But then as the story unfolds, you see there's a lot more to her than that. And the story gets a lot more complicated and there's some twists and turns and surprises as you're going through. Did you guess the first twist? I guessed that. I no. knew that was coming. You didn't? No, I'm impressed that you did. We had talked before about, you know, Sarah Pekinen books being a little light for us. And one of the comments that we first made when we saw that it was The Wife Between Us and it was going to be written with, I believe it, it's her editor who's her co writer on this book. Oh, is that? I was Greer, wondering who Greer, Greer Hendricks is. Greer Hendricks. Yeah, I think she edited her. And, um, but it did have a little bit more bite than the usual, than I think Sarah Pekinen's usual fare. And I enjoyed it more than I think I usually enjoy her books. I agree, um, that I liked this better than her other books. So the addition of Greer Hendricks, whoever she is, has been a good thing. I believe it is her editor, which makes it really weird. But, you know, I guess, you know, she has different ideas about writing, which, Writing and editing are different things, and you sort of have to try to respect the author's voice. But I guess she brought enough pep to it as a writer. I don't know. You know, sometimes you have an idea of how people write. Like, I think there's a book coming out by two sisters who did not live in the same state, but they wrote over email. So, And I wonder how, you know, with the fact that there are two characters if one of them wrote one character and one of them wrote the other. I don't know. It seems pretty even throughout. So mm -hmm. it seems like it's a more pure collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. So, but that's a book. I think that that's out like, I don't know. I think it's out like January 9th or something. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's good. It's good. It's, it's you know, it's a thriller. But I found it, uh, I found it, worthwhile and definitely kept my attention okay um, and you read the circle oh you were actually like scrolling through your blog you read a book that I really w was interested in reading um green 
Ah, uh, yes, I did read green. I read green like last week. Um, green is pretty good. Um, it is the story of a sixth grade boy living in Boston in the nineties. He's white and he goes to a almost all black school, middle school, public school. And it's about, you know, he doesn't fit in and he's kind of a small scrawny Jewish kid. And he, you know, has a pretty tough time at school because other kids are mean to him and they bully him a lot. And he begs his parents to send him to private school. And they're these hippies who live in Jamaica Plain. And they're like, no, we believe in private school. I mean, we believe in public school. We're not going to, we're not going to send you to private school. And he kind of has to get through. He makes a really good friend and, um, who kind of becomes his salvation at school, but their relationship is sort of fraught. It's good. Uh, I liked it. I, I have one major complaint about it. I did it on audio. I'm actually kind of curious to know what you think of this. I did it on audio and the narrator is African-American and I'm thinking, really? yes, I'm thinking, why do you pick an African-American narrator when one of the central themes of this book is how this kid is white and feels like he doesn't fit in? Mm. It was, it, it was strange to me of all of the casting choices. Why would you go that route? Um, and I know it shouldn't matter really who the voice is or the race of the person narrating, but since race was like the main theme of this book, it was weird. It was really weird. I looked the guy up. I was like, yep. (laughs) Yeah. It just, that seemed weird to me. I liked the narration. I thought he did a great job. It just was like, he did not sound like a white kid. And that was, well, I mean, I guess that's like two different approaches to narration in terms of almost like is this is is are we approaching this as this is a story that's being read so it doesn't matter who reads it or is this or are you casting in terms of interpreting it you know from acting it I guess yeah I mean it's a valid question it just to me um and it seems like they took the former route as in this is a book where that's being read to you and it's not about the person, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It just is an interesting casting choice. And the book hasn't come out yet. It comes out next week and, you know, I'm going to sort of look around for some reviews and just see if anyone else shares that issue. I wrote about it in my blog. So, um, anyway, but yes, I liked green. Uh, I, I picked that up when we were at BEA last spring and, uh, I, you know, pulled it out of the box to read and I liked it. It's not, it doesn't take very long. And, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Would you classify it as YA or an adult book? I think I call it an adult book. Yeah. It's funny. I actually said to my kids, I wonder if you'd like this book, but I don't think, I don't think it's an, um, I think of it more as an adult book. All right, so last thing that I'm going to mention is I read um, The Ship by Antonia Honeywell, and I looked it up because you um, you made the comment about your mo- most disappointing book of the year, and I believe that was my most disappointing book Ooh, of the year. Ooh, and why was it so disappointing? I, you know, usually it doesn't matter if I don't like the main character, if the book is sort of well-written, but I just could not buy in with this main character. She was just way too spoiled. Um, So I got that she was supposed to be spoiled or whatever the ship is about, 
um, it's set in like a dystopian London or whatever, where there's just wars over food and everything is strictly controlled by the government. So these people, like a group of people decide to leave London and I guess recreate a society on the ship and they have enough they have enough supplies for everything. They just have endless, endless supplies packed on the ship. And um, the main character is the daughter, I guess, of the guy who has organized the ship. And she starts to wonder where they're going and why why the ship is so well stocked if they have a destination. So she's trying to get into the middle of this mystery. Um, so and it's a lot about how they how they build the society or whatever, but. Um, I don't know. I just did not, could not invest in her reasonings for questioning some of the things that she did. And she was just so annoying that it was just such a tedious read. All right. And there wasn't enough payoff, you know, there wasn't enough payoff in terms of the story that it's just like, all right, I can ignore her because we've got these other things going on. And, you know, I'm really fascinated by that, but it was just kind of like... Mm, yeah no (laughs) all right so definitely one to avoid definitely one to avoid and it's one it has a young adult main character but i would also consider it an adult novel okay um but one that you should not read so okay (laughs) all right well um we wrap up another year of reading and start our our uh tallies over again in two days and um here's to 2018 i hope it's filled with lots of great books and lots of good um recuperation for nicole who's still um in rehab after her surgery for her broken leg so we're hoping that you have lots of time to read and more focus than i know happened in the last you know quarter of 2017 yes So we'll be back in a few weeks or in a week with, like, I guess we should talk about what we're looking forward to in this first quarter. Like, dig up some really good books. Yes. Some things that will entice me and make me focus because they're just so good. The Wife Between Us was actually pretty good for that. And so was The Wife by Ella Fairberg. I read that as well. So I actually snuck up to, like, my count is if I don't read anything in the next two days, I'll have to take it. Uh, I'll have to settle at 133 books. So. Settle. <laughs> settle. <laughs> wow. Well, so, I think that's pretty damn impressive. So next time we'll have, yeah, we'll have much more for you and kicking off the new year. And until then, happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. And you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. And Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.